Hi there. Welcome to the Daiku podcast and our Krampus charity live stream. And uh, with me, as always, is uh, Logar. Welcome, Hello. Logar. Hello, I am Logar, the barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted to take this opportunity. The holiday season is upon us, and it's a really good time to do a little bit of giving and a little bit of uh, fundraising for charity. And so we are going to be doing our, as I mentioned, Krampus charity live stream. And I've had a few comments about how creepy this Krampus is. And, uh, <laughs> I think somebody on a Discord server said that uh, it just like was giving them nightmares. So hopefully not too bad. But he he does watch you when you're sleeping. And he knows when you're awake. He's he's got a very goblin esque look to his face. Uh, when I first when I first uh, discovered Krampus, he seemed like a big furry suit. People run around in. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a story about Krampus once. <laughs> yeah, he's actually kind of fairly recent. I don't know, like when Krampus came into like the public eye as far as like a thing. Well, he got really popular a few years back. Um, prior to that, he was just kind of like an isolated thing. And yeah. where was it that he was like they would do the running of the Krampus for Christmas somewhere? I don't think it was the Ukraine, but somewhere in Europe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not great with it. Sounds like it could, be, <laughs> could be a German thing. So yeah. Cool. So, uh, Logar, for the very few people that probably don't know about you, just tell us a little bit about uh, what you do at Wobblies and Wizards. Well, Wobblies and Wizards, we're a we're a we're a role playing game blog. Um, blog. I mean, sorry, podcast. I'm podcasting. I used to blog. <laughs> I used to be a blogger years ago. <laughs> I made this transition. I kind of changed the subject matter and went over to doing more game stuff. When we did the podcast, we do a daily RPG podcast. I'm a wobbly. A member of the IWW. So, like, uh, um, one of the things about it is, like, it's kind of intended, like, the whole idea behind it is we do a quick 15-minute morning podcast for your ride to work. So, you know, as a working-class guy, it's like, yeah, I'd like to listen to some game stuff on my ride to work every morning. <laughs> so it's a daily podcast, and we had talked to a lot of guests, and Light and I uh, look at a lot of dungeon mags and talk about a lot of game stuff every day. Well, it's super cool. I listen to it daily, and I what we were just talking before we went on the air. Like, there's the podcast Word Wrap, or what, a, yes. what is it, Wrap Twenty Two, whatever it's called. And anyways, I'm sure that you're going to be at the top of my list. I'll be one of your top <laughs> listeners. So, if I got I got tagged by a few people who I was at the top of their list. I I really appreciate that. This is yeah. very encouraging to hear. I, I'm I'm very thankful. So if you're listening to our podcast. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. It's very helpful. Yeah. And that goes without saying, I think there's a lot of people out there that do podcasts and or videos or whatever, and they do appreciate. I appreciate Logar appreciates when you reach out and just say, hey, thanks for what you're doing. And speaking of that, I was lucky enough to reach a thousand subs just uh, last month here on the YouTube channel. So uh, as Logar said, thank you very much for all the people that have uh, tuned in over time uh, and joined up and uh, shared the little journey of uh, designers and uh, sharing their stories and how they make games. And hopefully, if you're an aspiring designer, that you've actually learned a few things. I certainly have. So it's been uh, it's a, been a fun year because that's about how long I've had the channel up. And as well as I replay the videos on uh, my podcast. So you're also welcome to subscribe there. I'm not at Logar's level on podcasts <laughs> with the daily, which I still can't believe you do. But it's uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Well, we, and, and I listen to and I listen to yours on the Spotify. I don't listen to it on YouTube. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 well, you're missing out on all the visuals in my pretty face. Right? Actually, Spotify has them. Yeah, I I actually take the videos from YouTube and I just repurpose them for Spotify, so you can watch watch on Spotify as well. If I got on there, I can't look at it either, though, because I'm usually busy doing something else. <laughs> so cool. I, I miss the faces most of the time. So what are we doing here today? It's a charity live stream, and let's talk about what we're raising some money for and. Uh, First of all, uh, Logar, tell us about your charity. Uh, schools for Chiapas. Yeah, it's, it's a thing I'm into. I, I, I got all kinds of swag. <laughs> this shirt I got from Schools for Chiapas and this hat. And I also got a couple little, uh, little homemade dolls from the people of Chiapas. And what they do is they raise money for, uh, for the folks in Chiapas, Mexico. Uh, if you're not familiar with the EZLN and the Zapatistas, they... Uh, 
around 94, they kind of became public. They had some conflict. Indigenous folks were being pushed off their land, like, you know, the history of this country has been. And they stood up to the Mexican and the U.S. government and have maintained sort of an autonomous region where they self-organized. Schools for Chiapas, there's a lot of good for the people in Chiapas. They focus on things like farming, healthcare, medication, lately COVID, um, and, and education for the people in the area. There's a you can go to the schools for Chiapas site itself and support them anytime. They have like like one of the things you can do is like they have shirts and hats and stuff like that and and dolls that they make there in Chiapas. The people, the folks there make they even for sometimes you can get boots, uh, like leather boots and stuff. If if I'm not sure if they're available or not right now. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. But that's a way that you can support them in their community. The money goes to the community. They get to decide where in their community where these things go to help. Or you can even say, oh, I want this to go to help specifically for health care or something like that if you want to. And it's a cause that I really believe in. If you're curious to learn more, I, I mean, there's quite a few books out there talking about them. The Chiapas Rebellion, The Struggle, Struggle for Land and Democracy by Neil Harvey is one that was pretty interesting to check out. Wobblies and Zapatistas by um, who wrote that? I'm sorry, I'm not going to attempt to read names right now. I need to get my glasses. And then one of the one of the ones that I really got into is Yabasta. Uh, it is uh, actually written by uh, the, the writings of Marcos, who was heavily involved in the organizing there in Chiapas, Mexico. So I'm a. It's something I've been passionate about for many years. It's one of the things that I tend to try to send my money to to the folks of Chiapas when I have extra money. So I encourage you to do so and check out the Schools for Chiapas website, which is schoolsforchiapas.org. If you Google it, it'll probably be the first thing to pop up. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. And we have the uh, link in the uh, video description. So be sure to check it out. And uh, my... Um, charity of choice is Doctors Without Borders, which is uh, a really good organization. You have doctors that are volunteering to go overseas and uh, across the world, and they are doing like really good work, especially in war-torn areas like the Ukraine right now. And uh, the if you look up the charity itself, the it's got a five-star rating because a lot of that money goes right directly to the action. There's not a lot of overhead. There's not a lot of marketing money and that's always something that i look for in a charity is that they they the money goes to where it's supposed to go to and not just for marketing and overhead so anyways uh doctors without borders um i'm in canada so my link will be to the canadian one and with that said today we're asking you to help out if you look um you can donate through your super chats and stickers if you want to give a little bit of money uh, we are going to match $50 each uh, towards our charity of choice. So if you donate as a group $50, we will donate and match that up to $50. And uh, whatever excess we have, we will just donate right to them. So uh, this is your chance to also give back during the holiday season and uh, support a charity. So uh, if you look in the chats, there's an ability to add that. And all the money, once again, goes to these two charities. Excellent. Excellent. So, but what are we also going to be doing here today is we're going to be talking about our favorite games of the year and our uh, wish list for the holiday season because maybe maybe there's somebody out there that's thinking about buying the game for somebody and maybe we'll give them the right idea of what they could actually purchase. So let's get almost right into it on our wish list. And we're going to start off with uh, Logar. You're going to uh, share your wish list first. Oh, 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 my wish list. I'm trying to remember what was first on my wish list. <laughs> was that was that start was that Screams Amongst the Stars? Was that the first one well, I had put? We in? are yeah, Screams Amongst the oh, Stars. Oh yeah. So I picked up Diego uh Noguera has put has these out. I've I picked uh are actually one of the uh one of our Patreons, uh Patreon subscribers. I want to thank you very much. Uh picked up um Screams Amongst the Stars, and then there was another one that came out, which is, oh, the one that I actually got, and I'm trying to remember the name of it now. Uh, but there's a couple that he recently released, and you can find them on Exalted Funeral. They're rules-light uh, science fiction and cyberpunk games. They look pretty compatible. Now, Light got Screams Amongst the Stars. I got to look at it, and Light's are my co-host on on. Wobblies and Wizards, if you're not familiar with the podcast. I got to look at it, and I saw that thing. like, oh, I really want this. It looks really cool. It's neat. 
kind of space horror to style of, of thing, uh, rules light game. I'm a fan of, of the stuff Diogo has been putting out. He's he puts out some solid stuff. Yeah, he just uh, put out, uh, I think Primal was also another one that he put yes. out recently, and uh, he's doing amazing work. Uh, he's out of Brazil, and uh, but he is like prolific. Like, I mean, that guy can uh, like crank out like amazing games, and he does the artwork as well. So, like, he's like uh, Luca Reitz as far as he's like the triple threat. <laughs> he can combine uh, the writing and the art and the game mechanics. Like, it's all pretty fluid for him. So, uh, I know me and him have talked about it. He's uh, probably going to come on the show in the near future. So I look forward to learning more about him. Yeah. And uh, I like, I've got the primal and I've got the, the cyberpunk one. I feel horrible. I can't remember the name of the cyberpunk one that came out around the same time, but that screams amongst the stars. And there's a zombie one as well. Um, that's probably going to be next on the list there to pick up. This. So that was number three screams amongst the stars. And number two is. Oh, that Forbidden Lands Book of Beasts. Oh, I cannot lie. I, I ran Forbidden Lands a while back. I love the system. Um, I love the books. The box set is beautiful. If you don't have that Forbidden Lands box, get it. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's a reason Free League's been so successful because they're getting to be one of the biggest game companies out there, but they put out a nice product. And Forbidden Lands is one of... I'm not going to say it's not OSR in the sense that it is compatible with BX or AD&D, but it is hex crawl heavy, uh, point crawl heavy. It does some really unique stuff with its year zero engine, which is a D6 based system. And I'm, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of D6 based systems, especially at that year zero engine is one of my favorite ones out there. Very flexible. It's really easy to run and then you can make it really complex if you want to. It's just that basic mechanic works. And they had the, you know, player's handbook and game master's guide in the box set. It's been out for a while, but there hasn't been like a bestiary. Well, they kick started it last year or so. And right now that's one of the things I'm most excited and looking forward to getting and putting on my shelf. The player's handbook and the game master's guide have this sort of a, they don't have like, like uh, colorful printing. They're almost like leather. They look like leather bound. I think it might be faux leather. One is green and one is mm -hmm. like, uh, what color is the other one? I think one's green, oh, one's red. red. With the maroon. With and the I gold, think, yeah. yeah. And I think that the book of beast itself, finally, when we get that, it's going to be like a greenish color or, or a greenish or a bluish color, I think. Yeah. So kind of in line with those two main books. And I'm really looking forward to it. I, I enjoyed running it. I'm definitely going to run it again in the future. It might have to get boosted up to high priority when the Book of Beasts does come <laughs> in. I'm going to be looking at that like, yes! Well, <laughs> so I'm I've, excited. I've got the, uh, the box set uh, myself, and I just love the feel of it. It's got like that... Even though, like you said, it's not OSR, it's got an OSR feel to it. And even oh, though, yeah. like the, the paper texture, it really reminds me of those like early days of role playing games, <laughs> but like such high quality in the illustrations. And once again, like you said, Free League is just like uh, they're they're on a roll. I uh, I tweeted out like uh, a couple of weeks ago after they did the announcement for uh, what did they just license uh, Walking Dead? Yes, yes. And I was like, boy, like they are like licensing so much and producing so much. Like if anybody can knock uh, wizards of the coast out of its market share place, it's <laughs> going to be free league just because they are doing a lot. Well, I'm, I'm going to put this out uh, out there and the, uh, I'm not going to do that. Never mind. <laughs> oh, so, they do great stuff. You know, I just heard Conan lost, lost, this, lost the, they're losing the licenses. Yeah, Medifia, yeah. I wouldn't complain if like uh free league picked it up or even like uh, troll Lord would be the ideal people to do the Conan role playing game with yeah. the CJ. But I uh, like free league's best stuff. In my opinion, isn't even the stuff they've licensed. Cause they've licensed the big names like alien, uh what was the cyberpunk uh blade runner yeah. and uh, like coriolis and forbidden lands are wonderful games i know yeah. a lot of the uh attention started up around the other one what was it it was uh tales from the loop was yeah. the one that i really first noticed them from i had to look on my shelf there but mutant yeah. year zero as well yeah. is a solid post-apocalyptic game, kind of a revival of the old mutant game. And that's kind of where their system came from. And I love the system. It's, it's great. It's elegant. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. And to be honest with you, I usually, I generally hate licensed games personally mm -hmm. because I feel kind of too constrained by that world. But like you said, they've got so much other solid games that like they don't even need to do the licensing. But if that gets their their name out there more and their brand out there more, like, you know, more power to them. But generally speaking, I don't buy licensed games. But I've got the Tales from the Loop and Forbidden Lands and uh, and yeah. Uh, a few other other games so like for sure um i think oh, they're, they're on good. a roll they're good okay what's uh that was number two and finally for your wish list number oh, one oh gurps for you i if you can look back there i have a bunch of somewhere on those shelves i got a lot of old gurps books they're pretty old though i haven't picked up that fourth edition stuff and it's been out for a while and and I haven't ran GURPS since the 90s. And even then, I haven't ran like a long-lived campaign. But I have this dream campaign I've been working on in the evenings and stuff. I would love to get the new GURPS books. So if anybody at Steve Jackson Games out there hears me, you want to send them to me, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> so I think that's a direct call out to Phil Reed, who has been a guest both on yours and my shows, that, uh, hey, I think Lover yeah. could use some uh, GURPS for E. Well, and, and I'm going to put this out there. I've, I'm not familiar with the fourth edition books, um, but I am very familiar with the earlier editions, like third edition, especially third edition was long lived. There's like third edition, third edition revived. I don't know what time year third came out, but may have been the late 80s. I, I want to say that GURPS dropped in 86 or something like that originally, but I might be off there. Um, so, <clears throat> GURPS, the system itself, excuse me there, the system itself is pretty simple. You've got your stats, like a 12 is doing really good, 10 is about average, and you're going to roll 3d6 under that stat, and you succeed. That's it. <laughs> it's not yeah. a complicated system. I know it has a, a tendency to be called crunchy, but there's a GURPS light out there you can pick them up. You can get the PDF for free online, and it's a lot, it, it's, I think when you dive into a big GURPS book, like the basic characters or the basic campaigns book. There's a lot of stuff in there, but a lot of it's very modular. And a lot of these books are made to be generic. So a lot of the stats they give will be given in like actual measurements as opposed to like a game mechanic measurement. And like 80 to 90% of most GURPS books you could easily use with any game you're running to begin with. And they're great reads. They have some wonderful stuff in some of those books. Uh, great settings, great great stuff for crafting, you know, like GURPS religion for coming up with different ideas for religions, GURPS space for making your planets and everything else. There's a lot there. I think GURPS is one of the most solid, coolest role-playing games in RPG history. <laughs> it's definitely in the top 10 list of historic RPGs, if not higher. And yeah. I, yeah, I'd like to get the fourth edition, but I just don't have it yet. And it's been out a while. <laughs> and, and you actually had Steve on your show. Same with me. And uh, he, it, I was excited. I, he doesn't like, well, he doesn't like to talk about GURPS for whatever reason. I just think he, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of old for him. He's probably talked <laughs> about it so much, but uh, like you said, it's a classic system, especially the world books. Like it's so many yeah. world books that uh, people have their setting books that people have like always got expertise information on. So Tons and out there. Let me put this out there because I don't know if I even just recap. Some people, if you're not familiar, I'm assuming most listeners, if you're listening to a role-playing game podcast and, and videos and stuff, you're probably familiar with GURPS. But there are I'm I'm running into a lot of people who are new to the space. So if you're newer to the space, you're not familiar with GURPS. It is generic universal role-playing system. The whole idea was that you could play anything with this system. And all the little source books are just kind of like the different genres and different places you can take it for the most part. So it's supposed to be able to play anything with this one system is the idea behind it. And we had a comment come in talking about the Free League uh, uh, needs to support their original games more. Lots of IP milking going on. So we kind of touched yeah, on Yeah, I want some Forbidden Lands and Coriolis stuff. And this Coriolis yeah. has a new one coming out uh, for the, the campaign path I'm excited about. But yeah. I'm I'm interested in in Coriolis and Forbidden Land stuff primarily for Free League. Yeah, but like Solid Company doing great work. They really cleaned up at the Annies last year, like a lot of their stuff. So, mm -hmm. so recapping, we got Screams Among Us by D Diego Noguera, uh, Forbidden Lands by Free League, and GURPS 4E. Okay, we are going to move on to my wish list. 
so the criteria was like these are things that i would just love to kind of have and they've probably been some of them have been out for a while but uh just never gotten a hold of them yeah the first one is uh torque by uh, will jobs so i'm not familiar with torque could you enlighten me this is the this is the i think i know this is like a this so this is uh like just kind of like i guess a like a rally kind of rally game like a mm -hmm. punk uh mad max kind of feel to it okay but uh the manual it's it's a like a car manual you know the kind you get in the glove compartment it's got that uh, the <laughs> texture of the book and the style <laughs> of it that's cool <laughs> so i really liked it and uh i saw this at gen con and uh, so you can see some of the design of it. And I'm like a real nerd for graphic design. So mm -hmm. when I see like a design that I like, I just think it's like so cool. Yeah, that and, is nice. And so I, anyways, it just kind of screamed out to me and I was going to get it. And it was at the uh, Indie Game Revolution um, table and I was going to get it. And I just, for whatever reason, I just never did. And I kind of regretted that. So uh, that's now on my wish list of, <laughs> I wish I would have picked it up and I still might. So that's on my on my wish list. Number two is Mouse Ritter, and once again, this is one of those things that I saw it on uh, Kickstarter, and I was like, I should really back this. I've got oh, what do you have there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's nice. It is. I haven't had a chance to run it yet. <laughs> but you know, it, it uh, you know takes after into the odd, and it's uh, what's the saying? Whiskers and uh, swords, swords, swords and, whiskers? and whiskers, swords and whiskers. I believe yeah. you think that's correct. And uh, uh, yeah, sword and whiskers role playing. So it's just got like a really nice feel. I know you can go download the the PDF of it for free, and anybody can play it. But they did this Kickstarter last year, and the people are just getting them in their mail now. And I just went, and you got yours, and I love the little peek hole into the world. And I was trying to inquire and maybe somebody watching might know i thought there was one where there's like the same concept with a wallpaper where the mouse was behind a little hole in the wallpaper like the mouse hole like you know tom and jerry kind of mouse hole but i haven't seen a picture of it but i thought there was but uh, anyways i wish i would have backed it uh, so I, I might have to figure that out up in the new year yeah, it's I, I actually backed it digitally only at first and I wanted to back it for the physical. I just didn't have the money at the time. And when I got the files in digitally, I was impressed. So when it finally hit Exalted, I actually had the money at the time. I said, well, I definitely have to order that. <laughs> I grabbed it. And the first I first ordered the the other box, the estate, which is like the adventures and thinking that was the full box. And it wasn't. I went back and had to. So. If you want Mouse Raider, watch out. There's the estate box and there's the Mouse Raider full game box. And I think you can buy the book on itself, but the best part is the rules, I think, are out there in PDF for free. Yeah. And so Isaac uh, Williams is the uh, author of that, doing an incredible job. And uh, I kind of I like to get Isaac on the show in the near future, just talk about his design history. And finally, uh, my wish list, number one, uh, HP Lovecraft Society, the prop set. And once again, I saw this at Gen Con. I met, uh, I had a, a brief interview with the, the two gentlemen that were responsible for the design of it. And I don't, I've rarely played Call of Cthulhu, but what I really love is the in-game props that like you give a player or something and like they tangibly can look at it and they can play with it and get ideas from it. It just it creates that immersion that I really love and you can see like how many items they got and when i talked to them they said like some of them were like kind of hand ripped notes and they worked in the hollywood prop set area so they create basically created all these props with their knowledge of making hollywood props and put it all in a box and so it's just like a treasure trove of like little things to just hand to your players to get ideas for hooks and games it, they've done. Uh, they've got a good history of cool props from Call of Cthulhu. I've I, I've definitely played some Call of Cthulhu in my day. Maybe not as much as other games, but over the years I'll play it here and there. I know it. Admit for a minute there, they had one box set that came with a teacup uh, or a tea set. Did you, did you, did you see that one? Was I, that? I didn't know. They had a box set that came with you can have you can have tea with it. it came with little teacups and I guess like a teapot and everything. <laughs> and I'm kind of bad because like a weird thing about me is. I've never been a fan of Cthulhu. I like I like horror and I like <laughs> that kind of like, you know, crazy, uh, weird 
conspiracy stuff. But anyways, I've just never the Cthulhu and going crazy things is never. I like real kind of horror type of thing. But they and they also gave me this little this little uh, USB oh, stick. Oh, with, that's cool. Is with, that with that's from Chaosium or? That was from the HP Lovecraft Society. So oh, the HP Lovecraft Society. Yeah. So they gave me that as as part of uh, meeting them. So that was that was pretty cool. And uh, we're going to take a brief break from our uh, wish list. And now we are going to transition to, and just a reminder, if people are watching, feel free to donate through stickers for a good cause. Um, as we talked about, the Doctors Without Borders and uh, the School of Chiapas um, that we're raising, hopefully, some funds for today. But now we're going to go into our favorite movie. <laughs> Christmas holiday, Christmas movie, whatever you want to call it. My holiday movies. Holiday movie. What's my favorite holiday movie? So, so I, I, look, Gary, when you asked me if I had a, had a favorite holiday movie, I was like, no, <laughs> I don't like Christmas music or Christmas movies. I thought about it for a minute. There are a couple I do like. The first three that came to mind were Batman Returns, Shazam, and Spider Man No Way Home. I went with Shazam. And the reason I chose Shazam is it, 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 it's kind of connected to the fact that I don't like the Christmas movies as much, but I like Christmas movies if people around me like them. Just like music or anything else. I have kids and family that get into things and like things, and I enjoy them with them. And I, I'm determined, like, okay, I like this. This may not be Dad's thing, but I'm determined to enjoy it with them. And my son's not really into superhero movies like, like dad is. I love comic books growing up. But my son really likes Shazam and really thinks Shazam is cool. I got some Shazam comics on his own and everything else. And some Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel Shazam. We all know the whole history of Captain Marvel and Shazam, I'm assuming. Yeah. If not, there was multiple Captain Marvels. One of them used the power word Shazam, who was a little boy, Billy Batson, who became a big man. And I was thrilled watching the movie just as a fan of those old comics because I love those old Captain Marvel Shazam comics and the Justice Society growing up. And at the end, you got to see Mary Marvel pop up and the whole Shazam Captain Marvel family. I was super thrilled seeing that. I was like a little kid again. And there was my son over there who was really connecting with this Billy Batson who's kind of his age and thinking it's cool and getting into it and saying, this is my favorite hero now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. So did you watch the old, Did you watch the old eighties? The version? old serial. Oh, the eighties one. Yeah. I I remember this. I've seen the eighties one. It's been a while. Wasn't that seventies? Not eighties. Oh, it could have been. Yeah, like I, I think was it the might young... have been the seventies. I think it was like mid late seventies. And then there was the original black and white serials as well. I was I I. I'll be honest, I haven't seen a lot of those in years. I used to watch all that old stuff growing up, but probably watch the serial more because I used to have the serials on VHS, the old Batman serials and the other black and white serials that came out from that era. Oh, I used to love those, uh, the old Batman, the Batusi. <laughs> those are great. So yeah, it's my favorite Christmas movie. I get to watch it with my son, <laughs> my daughter. And the, the other thing I want to add to that is my daughter really likes it too. So it's one of the few movies I get to watch and enjoy with my kids and get into. It's a Christmas movie that I also like. <laughs> cool. And mine is probably like a lot of other people's favorite <laughs> holiday movie is Die Hard. And what's the uh, saying? Like uh, there's people that don't think Die Hard's a, uh, a holiday movie. And then there's those people that are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or, or something like that. You get I, I'm dying here. <laughs> But anyway, I don't think I've seen Die Hard in, in 30 years. <laughs> are you kidding me? I, I'm not kidding you. I remember oh, watching wow. it. I've seen some of the sequels when they came out, but I don't think I've actually watched Die Hard in 30 years. Well, it's it's got to be at least since the 90s. Best holiday movie ever. We watch it uh, annually. It's like uh, Elf and uh, Die Hard. And I guess we'll watch It's a Wonderful Life, too, if you want that sentimental <laughs> stuff. That's my father. That was one of my father's favorites was It's a Wonderful Life and then the George C. Scott Christmas Carol. He had to watch those every year. So we watched them all the time. And I'm very familiar with those <laughs> growing well, up. And you know, another one that's almost like a reverse It's a Wonderful Life is The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. And I love Nicolas Cage because he does some like 
he's not afraid to like just do whatever he wants to do for a movie and maybe he needs the money i'm not too sure <laughs> but uh there's one called the family man and it's almost like a reverse it's a wonderful life where he starts with uh nothing and then he gets the family but then it gets taken away whereas it's a wonderful life it it gets taken away but then he gets it back at the end so anyways i always thought i don't uh, think nick, i've seen that one nick cage is like a, you know awesome actor mandy <laughs> everybody should go watch mandy what was that recent one I did watch? Was the unbearable burden of massive talent or something like that? Was that what it was called? Are you familiar with this? Nick no, Cage? I don't think so. Oh yeah, it's an it's an interesting movie. <laughs> it's so, did, it's... Well, Mandy, if you watch Mandy, it's like disturbing. Uh, that's the one. It's uh, like the motorcycle gang that uh, sets up shot. There's a motorcycle cult that lives nearby them, and they end up killing his wife. And no spoilers there, but. He gets his revenge. Let's just say that. I, I, I keep on hearing about that one. I, I was going to watch. It was on some kind of streaming recently. I never got a chance to watch. I can't remember what it was. So, yeah, I, I need to check it out because everybody keeps on telling me to watch Mandy. I, I'm not the best with movies. <laughs> okay, we are going to move into the big part of our show, which is the best of 2022 in games. We should do a drum roll. <laughs> first up for logar is number three dungeon now is it dungeon or dngn i'm just calling it dungeon dngn i've been calling it dungeon i i i i i am enamored with this zine it is my favorite i do a zine every thursday we just about we try to look at a z different zine on the podcast so i'm reading like a zine a week and I just think this is beautiful in a work of art. It's got this really great, like they, they lean into the print. Vasily, uh, Singing Flame, I believe it is, is the one who put this out. And I need to try to get him back onto the show. We spoke to him, I think, during the, I think, was it the crowdfunding for this or something else? I can't remember what it was. But so this is for Old School Essentials, which really, I actually just used it for my Castles and Crusades game we run on Saturdays. And uh, I just can't tell you how much I love it. It's very in line with a lot of the old school essential stuff. And it's easy to run bullet point laid out and it works well for running a quick adventure. It's like, Oh no, I need a dungeon. I need an adventure. You can grab it. There's different levels to the dungeon. I think the idea is that he's trying to make a multiple issues. So expanding on this kind of making a zine of mega dungeons, some of the art in here, the isometric maps at the back are beautiful there's some great art and the printing the printing complements the art in amazing ways. And the art's kind of all isolated to the back, almost as like player handout. So when you reach a place, you can just open it up and show it to the players instead of having to like show them the information involved in it. And it, it like I said, this is one part dungeon adventure module one part just work of art it's a masterpiece i love it it's beautiful and i and i have my own <laughs> copy as well it's uh you know quite beautiful and it's you can see with the red and the blue it's like two spot colors throughout the mm -hmm. whole thing so it's not like a four color print it's just the two spot colors that kind of orangey red um as well as like just the blue ink and it just works so well together it's just got the nice vibe that we love in a os our type of game. Oh yeah, I yeah, I, it's I, gorgeous. <laughs> it is gorgeous. What do we have next? Uh, well, and <laughs> get ahead of it. We had a huh? comment about uh, uh, from Paul, the director of Mandy, is a huge uh, Hellraiser fan. Makes a lot of sense considering the design of that biker gang. I was really into those Hellraiser movies when I was younger. Clive Barker. Well, I, unlike you, I was a Lovecraft fan in high school. I read a lot of Lovecraft and. I was a Clive Barker fan as well. And I, there are some horror movies I wasn't as into as others, especially modern ones. I was into really old horror, especially Hammer Horror. But I really got into some Clive Barker stuff. And those Hellraiser movies, the first two were some of my favorites. And I honestly liked most of them throughout, even the not as great ones. I kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is up next? Now we have number three, uh, Dungeon or DNGN. And maybe... Uh... We'll get a correction uh -oh. on that. So is this cheating? This is of these. So dungeon, I got to run only one of those dungeons so far in game. 
Hyperborea Arkham. I am Logar the Barbarian. I've got I've got Hyperborea all three editions in my collection at this point. We've been playing a Hyperborea campaign for three years now. The name Logar the Barbarian is my astonishing swordsman and sorcerers of Hyperborea character. That's where I got it from. <laughs> we started playing. I was reading a lot of Howard uh, at the time. I, said, I want to be Conan. I want to be Conan. So I kind of cheated and went to the third edition to deliver it. But this is beautiful. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you why this is beautiful and amazing. Number one, it just I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of print books. I love them, and they are printed, and the art and everything's just just magnificent. I think Diogo might have some art in here as well, too. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, I get into a lot of these zines and these rules like games. This is not really that. I've been gaming a long time. This is. The foundation of the game is AD&D. It's the Osric. If you're familiar with Osric, yeah. like the retro clone of AD&D. Mm -hmm. It is the descending armor class. It is the basic rules of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons presented in... It's presented without elves and dwarves, which are kind of some of my least favorite elements of the game. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Never huge. I'm not too... I'm not as into Tolkien as I am into like Howard. <laughs> yeah. And it presents it with, it's got a bunch of great classes. Going to be crunchier than your, your knave or your cairn or a lot of the rules light stuff going on. It's not a problem. Really. It runs great. It is. He, Jeffrey Delanian has done this book. Uh, Cause I think it's primarily his work in here. And he has, he has, he has, Knocked it out of the park. It is a masterpiece. Just reading through the gazetteer, like the world information, the BCR, everything is meticulously done. Again, like DNG or Dungeon, if you're a game geek like me who's been reading through these big crunchy tomes for years, this is kind of a masterpiece as well. I'm really impressed with the Hyperborea third edition books. And what's the difference between the third edition and the second edition? Because I think I told you, like, I really love the covers of the second edition. And when I saw the third edition covers and I was like, uh, I don't like them as much. But in looking at it again, they actually are pretty, pretty good. Well, there's a few there's a few differences. Um First difference is the third edition is great, beautiful book. They've got a player's handbook that's like a paper one you can pick up, which is just the first couple of chapters in it. Um, let me go through the history of this in the printings. Shoot, I should have brought the boxes in the book. So if you looked, <laughs> bad, they're back there on the shelf. The first edition was a box. It was spiral bound. Um, there's two books. And each book has other books in it. I can't remember the title. Like one's characters and maybe one section's combat and then one section's whatnot. Now, those are in spiral bound kind of uh, cheaper printing, black and white. Second edition got like the big deluxe uh, type of binding, the Smithsonian binding mm -hmm. and the nice printing and all that. The box is really nice. It's beautiful for what he's working with there. The second edition is also all those books from the first one and some more printed as one book. So it's a honking huge book. So number one big difference with third edition and second edition is you have two books as opposed to one. <laughs> and it's kind of nice. I, I like big books. I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> I also like having the two. It, and the other difference, the biggest difference, is there are a few more classes. Each edition seems to add a couple more classes. I've heard that there were some other slight tweaks and alterations, but it's essentially still completely compatible all the way through. It's first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons or Osric, but with, without the elves and dwarves and goblins and the Tolkien stuff, no orcs. But it's totally compatible with tons of stuff you probably have. You've been playing a while. You got your old AD&D modules, your BX modules, first edition, second edition, any of that swords and wizardry, um, retro clone Osric. There's a ton of material out there that's totally 100% compatible with Hyperborea. Great game. We just hit three years on our campaign. Lights the dungeon master there or the game master or whatever you want to call it. 
and uh, yeah, our our group's a fan, and we're gonna stick keep on playing, hopefully for at least three year more years or more. <laughs> and I love the vibe of it, like I mean, the like the logo and like the artwork and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it's, it's very similar to I would say like not it's similar but not the same as DCC. It's kind of got that like just fun kind of campiness. That yeah. Uh, bring to the table dcc definitely gets really because we play a lot of dc we played quite a bit of dcc in the last couple of years as well dcc gets a little more bonkers and a little more unique with its system there's a lot more random tables with magic and choices of error hyperborea is the i like to play a d and d from back in the day it presents it in a really good way it is the original game in many ways with its own flair. And that flair is that swords and sorcery old style. It's got the weird stuff in it. Like you see the front, they're kind of like a spaceship burnout there, yeah. you know, and it's mostly barbarians and sorcerers and stuff. The classes don't get too out there. Just like, you know, you have different kinds types of magic users. Like you want to be a, a chiromancer or a pyromancer. You want to do ice spells or fire spells or a necromancer. <laughs> it's a good game. Cool. Okay, we're going to move on to... So that was your second pick. Right, and now, the finale of what is your first... And actually, before we do that, did you have an honorable oh, mention? I do have an honorable mention. I definitely have an honorable mention. I'm going to pull it out now. One of the nicest books that I backed and got this year is not even a game on its own, but a supplement. And it, it and, I, and I only brought the book over. It came with a pack of stuff that was gorgeous. Uh, Anna Urbanic did the Herbalist's Primer. And I cannot tell you, again, I'm that one who likes, likes books, books as the physical medium, as an art form, essentially. This is gorgeous. And it's good. It gives you all kinds of information on the on different plants and herbs and stuff like this. I like herbs, and you know, <laughs> so it's got like medicinal purposes, magic purposes, just tons of stuff, tons of stuff to use. It is a gorgeous book. I can't suggest it enough. I think you can get it on Exalted Funeral. Pick it up. She did a wonderful can, job. Can you we spoke through it just a bit, that. just to show people. Let me. Uh... Let me yeah, spotlight let me you. Uh, well, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can figure <laughs> out the spotlighting. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, there we okay. go. I, I can see myself a little bit better. She did. I, from what I understand, she the art is hers. The writing's hers. She has just outdone herself. I know that she's looking. The layout's wonderful. She's a layout artist. She's done a lot of layout for some really cool books. Uh, I can't name anything specific. I think some of the stuff for Necrotic Gnome as well. And this is kind of her baby. Um, it is beautiful. I, I and it gives you little comparisons like people up to the trees and whatnot. So yeah, I, I I really appreciate it. It's a good read and it gives you some ideas to for things to use in game. And and by the way, I I, I forgot I brought this over. We were talking earlier about the other cyberpunk oh, the, game yeah. from Diego is the running out of time. <laughs> We've got that a comment. Was... I think that the fungi of the far realms are the best uh, Rex for non-system heavy books. I, I haven't picked, I don't think I've picked that up yet. I've seen that. It's what that, that was that Mesolonian Arts. Is that what they're called? Is that the one I'm thinking of that was put out by them? Yeah, it could be. It sounds very familiar, but I like a sure Troika, that... like uh, Troika book, perhaps. I think that was, them that, unless I'm confusing it with a different one. There's another one that was more zine like, but there was one that I was thinking of that was, uh, was the Fungi of the Far Realms. That was the one from Mesolonian Arts. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I have not snagged it yet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. I have not picked it up yet, and mostly because I don't have enough money to buy all the books that I want. <laughs> so this, biggest... is a, this is a message to Daniel Sell <laughs> from uh, from, from uh, Maltonia. We we need we need these books. <laughs> And then what were we at? Oh. Okay, so back to the final Best number of. one of 2022 for Logar is... Okay, this next one is... I'm pretty sure it came out in 2022, but I'm not I'm not 100% certain. I'm pretty sure it was, but I got it in 2022. Now, I played three years of Hyperborea, so I know that well. I've ran an, an adventure of Dungeon. 
Uh, this one I've only played in, in one adventure so far, and that was for our Halloween group. <coughs> I like it. Liminal Horror. And it is... Let me tell you why I like it and what I, what I hope for it. I think that this has potential to be much more than it currently is. <laughs> it's rules light horror. It does unique things. Um, when it comes to like like the Cthulhu, the old Call of Cthulhu stuff did like insanity and stuff like that. And some of that's kind of perhaps questionable in this day and age. We can know better. We know better. It's okay to know better and say, hey, maybe we did stuff clumsy in the past and we should rethink it. And Liminal Horror kind of does that and leans into like giving good flavor with it. I, I appreciate the Liminal Horror. I think there's a lot of potential for it. And there's quite a few. I've got quite a few different uh, supplements already for it. People are putting out. I think that what this game has in store for the future with community support could be even almost as big as something like Mothership, perhaps. I don't know, but it's 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 neat. And it's based on Cairn. If you're familiar with Cairn, that was your highs um, rules light game. It's, it, so it takes a lot from there. Very rules light, easy. It seems easy. I didn't run it. I only played it, but it was easy to pick up on, easy to play. It seemed to be easy to pick up on to run. And yeah, I suggest it. And I think there's a great future for Liminal Horror. Maybe even more editions or, or box sets or something might come out or larger. But I don't know what they got planned. But I think that there should be more for this in the future. And there's definitely some cool stuff coming out from the community. Yeah, there seems to be like a really strong community around it and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of adventures. And and probably like, uh, um, I you know, I've mentioned before, like with like Mothership, it's the community that's kind of that makes the game. Mm -hmm. so I can see a lot of opportunity for those people. And because it's... Uh, that got the SRD and it's like open gaming license, so to speak, that uh, you can just hack it as you need to. So it's Creative Commons. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think there's a great future for it. I'm hopeful to see more in the next year from folks. And I know, yeah, that, that number one. <laughs> okay, cool. So that's a good good list of uh, games. We are going to now get into uh, my best of 2022. And before I get into the, my top three, much like you, I've got uh, two honorable mentions that I'm sneaking in. The first one, as we just talked about, is uh, Mothership. Now, this is one of those things that, like... I don't have it yet. Well, I got the, I got the Zero E, but the box hasn't come in yet. I need it. <laughs> I need it, too. I've, uh, I backed it on Kickstarter. I'm waiting. I've got the PDFs that have been... Uh, they, I think they just, like, a few yeah. days ago, they released the PDFs. Um, for the upcoming box set and I have seen prototypes of the box set. So I'm anxiously awaiting that. And it's one of those things that, uh, and I, you know, I'll probably catch hell for this, but like the system's okay to me, like it works. It's okay. But the really part of it is like kind of the vibe and the setting that mothership puts out and the community that's been built around it. And some of the adventures are just like astounding and the creativity that's coming within the adventures is really what to me makes this product good and the community it's built around it. I'll say I, I, when it, I've ran Mothership a few times. Have you have you ran it or played it yeah. yet? So, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that the system itself. I like the system. I felt that some of the combat stuff was a little clunky for me when I ran it, and I know that's been updated. So the, the original zine that came out, if you don't know, I'm assuming a lot of people in the community know, was a, is considered a zero edition, and the box that's coming out is considered first edition. And I know that that's one of the things that's changed. I know there's a document out, documents out there telling what it is, but I haven't really looked through and read and, and figured out what changed about the combat but i'm excited about that because i think with that changes i think it's going to be a system i really really like because i already like it a lot uh it's it, uh, one of the best things about mothership i have to put out there is character creation is like it's like pretty much on the character sheet super easy yeah you're running a one shot, you hand people character sheets. It's so simple to get a character done and move yeah, on. I think it. that's the, one of their uh, selling features is the uh, is the uh, flow chart for the game mm -hmm. that uh, you can like just like automatically sit that in front of somebody and they can like figure it out. 
Oh, it's you high. New Warden's Guide or whatnot just dropped. Looks very impressive. Yeah, I, I downloaded the PDF, but I have a hard time reading PDFs. I need to... I'm probably not going to get a chance to actually read the PDF or read the Warden's Guide until I have it physically in my hand and I sit down on my couch one night to read it, yeah. <laughs> to be totally honest. If I'm at a computer, I'm usually editing something or fixing something. Well, I prefer print too, but I've gotten like if I actually bought everything that like physically that I wanted, like my I would run out of space, so I have to resort to PDFs. Oh, I got a nice. Uh, it's actually in the garage. I've got this massive uh, zine display thing from the military. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, really? apparently from a friend so i'm gonna have plenty of zine space here i just have to figure the wall to put it on uh i think it's gonna go probably up against here where you can't see <laughs> and, and you know the other thing that i like about mothership is because of its roots and and how it started and the community it's built up for me it shows what an indie game company can do mm -hmm. which i really appreciate because i mean that's the where like my love and passion sits is kind of like weird indie game scenes yeah and so for me um it's just one of those things that it shows what can be done and as i saw their kickstarter click over like a million dollars last year i was like well good for them i, I think that's really cool yeah I, you know says, says uh, i can't really absorb something unless it's printed but after the fact digital is fine i have a really difficult time reading digital i have i do have some like I was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome and ADHD as a kid. I have to be reading on a physical book. I, the digital medium is really hard for me. <laughs> okay, and my second honorable mention, and I review this as part of my Halloween campaign, is Nightcrawlers. There is just something about this game. It's based upon the Black Hack game, and I've got uh, my copy here. And when I flipped through it, it just made me feel like I was in 1980s again, just the style <laughs> of it and just the layout of it and everything like that. I just, I thought it was a charming little game. Um, and I really thought it, I would love for more people to pick it up and more people to play it. Cause it, I think it's just like a, just a fun independent project. And if you can support like an indie game designer, like you, you really should. And this is like a really good product mm -hmm. to do that with. And it's where you're like um, vampires, werewolves, teenage werewolves, like in this kind of city and you're punks. It's just kind of a fun game. I appreciate that. Yeah, I haven't picked it up yet. I don't got a copy of it. I need one. I don't know what I'm making my next zine purchase, but I may have to try to put that on the list here. Okay, so now we are going to get into the best of, or at least my top three after the honorable mentions. Can you get a drum roll? Number three, the Bureau, which is... Liminal Horrors, uh, I think the premier um, adventure setting for it so far, and I'm sure there's lots more coming. And so it's like a government agency, you go inside of it and it's like corrupt and like there's mysteries and there's like all sorts of things going on. And one of the things that I really appreciate about it is just the uh, overall aesthetic. And as you probably have guessed by a lot of what I really like, uh, and probably maybe even I lean too heavily into it is that aesthetic. I just love those, the feel of it where you like, you're seeing redacted um, content and it's just fun. Yeah. We got a chance to talk to Josh Demansky and Goblin Archives who did this on the, on the podcast. In fact, uh, my copy came from Goblin Archives and I, and I did a, uh, <coughs> a zine review on it. It is a good, it is a good, it is a good, it is a good book. It is a good zine. And I have ideas for running it. If I can ever sit down and do a full, like if I was going to be like, hey, Logar, are you going to do a liminal horror campaign? I got my plan for a liminal horror campaign and it is running the Bureau with my take. A little, I might go a little stranger things with it because it is just, just, this just one location where stuff is happening and kind of like a, it's a dungeon crawl through a massive government facility. I love it. It's great. It's done well. <laughs> yeah totally done well and it just has that kind of just right feel to it and i think as uh little horror picks up steam you're gonna see more cool products like this coming along so now for me it was the number three number two hell knight and we already talked a little bit about it before uh with the mandy reference of uh, that movie with nicholas cage and uh gabriel caroga um did hell knight 
I know it's had some production delays, but I've backed it on uh, Kickstarter. I've had him as a guest on the show. Just like super cool layout, super cool. Once again, has that kind of vibe that I like. Um, every page is different. Like that's one of the things I always look for in a game is uh, as much as I like clear information being presented to me, I probably prefer when the information is kind of couched in cool graphic design. And he's got a really cool soundtrack that they put out for it too. That we got to we got to sample on the podcast. We got a little preview of the music there. I know yeah. that, and the, and there, like you said, there was some kind of issue at the printer at some point in time. Like one of the printers. Like well, I think got, a lot of a lot got, of a lot of creators ran into that for them their kickstarters. Yeah. Like the cost went up, paper supplies mm -hmm. were down. Mm-hmm. All sorts of headaches. So I know, uh, you know, I was just chatting with uh, Gabrielle the other day, and I know things are kind of finally lining up. And nice. as part of the Kickstarter, I also ordered uh, Warpland, which was like a, yes. add an add-on, which is another cool OSR-style game that he's created. And I've got a couple um, of Neuro City, which is also another game he created. And uh, I know he's working on a second edition of that right now. And he is he is quite the cook and foodie, let me tell you. I'm very impressed with that. <laughs> I appreciate him. He's a, he's a good feller. And then finally, number one for the my pick for best of 2022 is Death in Space. I don't which, have it yet. I need it. I need I, that was one of the ones that needs to, that I was needed to put can, on my want list. <laughs> you can see the the hologram on it. And uh, I know, so a little bit of history to it is like, I, I saw this and I went, oh, that looks pretty cool. And I went to Gen Con and uh, I think uh, Carl, one of the uh, the authors of the game, he was at the Free League booth because it's he's from the Stockholm cartel and he was at the Free League booth. And I said, hey, I'd, lo I'd love to maybe do like an on-the-spot interview with you. And Gen Con got crazy, so we never reconnected. But I, uh, I said to him right off the bat, oh, like it's pretty cool like i wonder how it's going to compete with the mothership and he kind of gave me a look as far as like well it's not like mothership and i didn't really know and i went to buy a book but they're already sold out like day one they were sold out of this and it's just like a really cool um, if you haven't seen inside of it i mean i don't know how much it costs for all this black ink yeah it looks nice and and again this is a free league product They're, they they have put out that's free league right yeah. Yeah. It, they they've been they have some of the best. They have some wonderful art and design stuff going on there. Yeah, they're doing they're some nice stuff. Super cool design. And when I finally I went okay, I, I was waiting for uh, my local game store to bring it in the Sentry Box, and they finally did. And so I bought it. And so I scratch a listed. It almost ended up on my wish list, but <laughs> I bought it. And just looking through it, it's just like a really fun, unique setting. And it's like more sci-fi than it is like sci-fi horror, but there's definitely horror elements. And so for me, just between the graphic design, the the vibe that it's giving off and the, the system, I really like it. So for me, this gets my best of 2022. And with that said, you know, everybody's got their different uh, what they like. Um, and styles and i i tend to like a little bit more graphic design than uh, just straight text yeah so oh. we haven't had any donations unfortunately but you know uh, what here let me put this out there let, let me put if, if you're listening and you go to the schools for chiapas website because like they do have, like, as a part of support, you can um, purchase stuff. There's a store, the Solidarity Store, it's called. You can get, like, little, like I said, little artisanal things from dolls to food, to food and clothes. They have corn and coffee. If you want to grow some corn, they have a like they have a whole like seed thing that they're doing to like preserve seed. A lot of indigenous women as farmers raising. Uh, crops and stuff like that you can get seeds you can get corn you can get coffee i know a lot of people drink coffee i know some folks around here that pull together and will buy a bunch of coffee from from the schools from chiapas and, and it's all being made and produced down there like non-gmo and stuff like that so go there and 
You can get a, a nice, they got different shirts to the one I got, and they got different hats and all kinds of things. So you can go there and purchase something that will help the community as well. So <laughs> I, sorry for hijacking there. <laughs> no, that's good. And same with Doctors Without Borders. Links are in the description. And you know what? Let's let's just donate the full $100 to them, $50 each. We're going to try to improve the world as best we can. And so if, if you have the ability to, please uh, go directly to their websites in the descriptions and donate and uh, make the world a better place, especially at the holiday season when it's a tough time for a lot of people. And I know there's not a lot of money going all around right now. There's inflation and stuff like that. So, you know, do what you can. So as we're wrapping up, Logar, what is next for you? Oh, no. What is next? Go to our patreon.com backslash wobblies and wizards and you can hear what's next. <laughs> uh, so I like I'm not trying to make any like big out put things out there that we've we've been working on. Me and a group of folks have been kind of working on our own little game that we've thrown some of the notes out there to patrons and stuff like that. We've made some leaps and bounds here lately. Constantly we are, but we keep on going back to the drawing board back and forth. It's not one of these things where like we're going to just crank it out overnight and it's going to be there. Before I do any kind of like official release, we're going to at least hopefully uh, have a, a little bit more worked out and play tested and hammered out. And it's not just me making it. There's like four of us working on it. So it's it's neat. It's different. Uh, we're going to keep on trying to put out a daily podcast. I got plenty of folks we're talking to. We're going to talk to Levi Combs, I think, is coming up really soon here. And oh, I you know what? I, I I had this wonderful discussion with this game creator who's doing stuff in the realm of um, suicide prevention, and they've got a whole thing coming up here. Uh, is it January or February? I don't know, but that should be out. The episode you should be listening to here soon. It, it's it's a really good one, really interesting. As soon as I can get everything edited and uploaded, it'll be there. Like I said, daily podcast. We'll keep on pushing through, talking to independent creators, talk to a lot of people from Itch uh, and stuff like that, and people who are putting out their own stuff. So if you're interested in independent games, different games, and we do a lot of old school games because we play a lot of old school games. Like I said, Hyperborea is kind of our like main three-year campaign right now. So we talk about the old school stuff and new stuff. <laughs> cool. And you can see we got our first donation, Cameron Ferment. So yeah, thank excellent. you very much. Thank you. Yeah, very much appreciated. So thank you for that. Um, and I guess what's, for me, uh, well, do you have other stuff going on? I don't want to jump. Oh ahead. no, I was just say what's going on. What's going on over <laughs> over with Daihu? <laughs> so last year uh, we did a, a 2021 year in review with uh, Shannon Applecline, who is the author of Designers. And dragons and he's got great book. four books so far from like the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the knots and he is uh gonna be on our show again and and basically we're gonna talk about everything that happened this last year and all the controversies and oh paul paul donated oh thank you it's happening <laughs> yeah uh, so thank you uh paul Thanks for the lists and reviews. There's a large indie market. It helps to have an idea of what to keep an eye on. Keep up the designer interview. So thank you very much, Paul. Yeah, very much you. appreciated. And it's all for a good cause. So very cool. But uh, uh, Shannon will be on my uh, show uh, around December 20th. We're dropping the episode and we're going to just talk about everything that's happened in the world of gaming in the last year and all the you know predictions, I guess, for the future. And, uh, and with that said, too, um, I've... I get approached by a lot of like indie game designers and my interviews tend to be of more like, I guess, seasoned designers, you know, people that have like been in the industry for a long time. And the purpose of those is to educate or inform people that are aspiring designers, but I'd also like to help indie designers a little bit more. So I've got some ideas to help promote indie designers. So if you have a game that you're getting ready for um, zine month and zine quest, which is in February, um, just reach out to me and I know Logar is the same thing. Reach out to Logar if you got something going on and it's a busy time for you, isn't it, Logar, in February? Oh, if you got something you're gonna be putting so here's the deal. I like I I there's a form on our website. Let me put this out there. I've had to put there because I, I had been organizing this all through social media. That's hard to keep up with. 
We have you go to wobbliesandwizards.com. There's a there's a link at the top. I don't even remember what it says. Something like 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 come onto the show or something. Fill that out and send it, and I will not get right back with you. I'm sorry. I don't I don't work in the day. I'm not around computers, so I can't respond to things. I, I, I work very physical labor type stuff, so it ain't like, you know what I'm saying? But I will get to you when I can, and it's become a lot, and I'm trying to get the folks, if you've submitted something on our website to our forum, because we got a few pages of folks who have, I've tried to send out at least a touch base thing to everyone. I'm reaching out as soon as I can and responding to y'all. I'd love to hear from you. If you're doing ZineQuest early, 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 is better than late because I, I had a hard time getting folks in the last few times and it gets really hectic and crazy around then. If you're coming to me even a few weeks, like a week or two before you start, I'm not sure I can even get you on to record that quick at this point sometimes. So it just depends. Earlier is always better. <laughs> so I'll put that there. Yeah. And with that said, uh, also you can go to daikugames.com. My contact information is there. And like I said, I've got some ideas percolating on how I can better support indie designers that aren't like the seasoned designers, like, you know, the Steve Jacksons of the world um, that I've been interviewing. So uh, hopefully we can work something out. Uh, go to daikugames.com. My contact information is there or reach out to me on social media. So um, with that said, Logar, we are at the uh, tail end of our uh 2022 best oh. of wish list how did anything pop out to you as far as like things that you wish you would have uh put on the list or thought of i do want that death in space really bad there's definitely quite a few that i wanted to like here i had a hard time narrowing it down to three for my favorite or even for my once because <laughs> there was some great stuff people put out this last year I think my deciding factor of going with Hyperborea third edition by Jeffrey Delaney is the fact that we do play it weekly. I feel that that's kind of, <laughs> that kind of says something or bi-weekly. That's kind of yeah. It's been a good year for me. Not a good cool. Well, I just want to say, uh, you know, once again, thank you for joining me uh, on uh, this podcast and the live stream. And uh, I want to wish everybody a happy holidays. I know it can be a rough time for a lot of people and uh you know hopefully our little uh stream brings a little joy to to your day and uh thanks again for logar and all the watchers and i want everybody to have safe and happy holidays so logar thanks for joining me <laughs> thank you for having me it's been a good time okay we'll have to do this again sometime the the logary show the Logaries. Oh my goodness. It's a strange amalgam. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody.